Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. And today's guest on the Top 5 Podcast comes from Saratoga Springs in the US. And he described Saratoga Springs as if you drew a line from New York to Montreal, about halfway along that line. It's Joe Templin, and his bio goes to a number of pages. And he, I said to him, what's one line to describe you, Joe? And he said, I'm the Swiss Army knife for corporate. So welcome, Joe. Good morning, Rael. Glad to be here. Well, I'll say good evening because it's a, that, that's the beauty of these podcasts is we interview people, amazing people from around the world, and we're in different time zones and different stages. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm winding down, you're winding up for the day, and we can have a great conversation. So this is the top five podcast, and and I asked you to provide us an idea of what your top five tips would be for something to do with business and in life. And you said top five tips for human Kaizen. Now, I did some research. So Kaizen, by definition, is that whole process of continuously improving yourself. What yep. would you add to that definition of Kaizen? Or is that it? Is that is that in its simplicity? That is the simplest way to express it. But as President Abraham Lincoln said long ago, if I had more time, I could write a shorter letter because getting to simplicity actually takes a lot of effort. And this is one of the things that we see with great writing, being able to distill it down to the essence. This is what we see with great art. This is what we see with mathematical models. My background originally was I was a physicist, so uh, I like to look at models as ways to take incredibly complex subjects and pack a lot of information into them that you can then extrapolate and apply these ideas in other spaces. So Kaizen is continuous improvement, but there are literally tens of thousands of different ways that any individual can do this on a daily basis. So we have approaching an infinite number of ways that this can be approached and applied. And so one of the things that I did in terms of writing the book and in terms of my coaching and working with individuals is try to understand what they need and help them develop a personalized plan to get because everybody's different. My background was I was severely, severely asthmatic as a child. I'm not naturally athletically gifted. As I say, I'm a mathlete, non-athlete. Yeah, I've been able to become a world champion martial artist. I've been able to run multiple ultra marathons. Um, I was at the uh, FISU speed skating championships this past weekend. So I've been able to take this concept and every single day in some way improve who and what I am. And over the past 49 plus years, I've made some good progress and I can't wait to see what I can eventually become over the next 50 to 60 years. So that leads, before we get onto the top five, your your book that you published, um, number one, uh, Release in Professional Development, um, Everyday Excellence. Okay. Yes, sir. It's interesting, and that's what appealed to me when you know when I first saw your bio, because my moniker around the speaking industry is the business excellence guy. Um, how do you 
define excellence? What is excellence? Oh, great question. Great question. So excellence is an attitude and a progression. So for example, a five-year-old kid who can now tie their shoes, to them, that is excellent. And in the five-year-old's mind, they've mastered something and it's incredible, but they're also continuously growing and developing and learning constantly. So it's partially having that attitude of a child, which is one of the things that Albert Einstein said was the key to genius, but it's also the progress. This is one of the things that the martial arts are really good about because the codification of advancement that you see with the belts, there is a clear differentiation between somebody with 25 years who is a black belt and somebody who's just walking into a dojang for the first time. There is a clear difference between somebody who's been a mathematician for decades and a kid just learning algebra. So excellence is this attitude of improvement that we can apply consistently. And there's going to be setbacks. I've had more than my share of injuries. There's going to be setbacks in your relationships or work or what have you. But if you've got the attitude of excellence, it also develops the resilience to overcome these obstacles. The obstacle is the way, as Ryan Holiday wrote about in his book. And so you can continuously adapt and adopt and move forward. And you might not end up at the exact place where you thought you were going to be. That's life. That's the way it is. So one of the things that I refer to sometimes uh, when we were getting ready for the podcast, you said we might go off on a tangent. I don't call those tangents. I call those side quests because everybody's trying to level up and advance in the game where they can eventually beat the big boss and you know get the castle and have the princess and all that. But along the way, we have all these different side quests. And the goal of side quests is either fun, that's what a vacation very often is, or you're acquiring resources and skills. And that might be the detour with your startup company. That might be taking that one job and it turns out to be not for you, but you walk away with it from it with a little bit of additional information or insight or contacts, all these different things. So that side quest actually helps you in your main quest overall. And this is one of the things that Steve Jobs embodied in a lot of ways when he dropped out of college and he just hung around and he took a calligraphy class. And that led to us having all these really cool fonts within the Apple world that then got exported elsewhere. So his standard of excellence that he inherited from his father and that he developed further in these studies was then be able to be applied into the Apple world and from there ripple on out. So excellence, if we go back to this, is partially the attitude of consistent improvement, which comes into the Kaizen, but also is the measure thereof because it is reflected in what we do and how we approach everything okay that's a perfect segue into your top five tips for for human kaizen in other words for human continuous improvement and, and bringing it down to so, so so you know joe what is your first tip for human kaizen so number five is choice and this is actually one of the most fundamental things. And there's a lot of debate around this with some people. They're like, oh, I'm just born this way. I'm just born heavy. Okay. Or I'm not good at math. 
or you know what this is i can't leave this job because i'm stuck here and i need these benefits so everybody's like oh, i don't have a choice and in the end god gave us free will okay we have our own agency the average individual makes between 10 and 20,000 decisions a day okay and most of these are micro decisions hey do i use this pencil or this pen hey do i put creamer in my coffee or not you know do i uh decide to accelerate to try and catch this yellow light or not. So we have these 10 to 20,000 choices every single day, these micro decisions. And as uh, Colossus told Deadpool in Deadpool 2, yes, I'm a comic book geek. You can see my Thor's back there. Is four or five choices. There are four or five micro decisions that we make every single day that bend the curve of our life and it either bends up or it bends down. And we have that choice. There's, uh, if you listen to Lori Santos and uh, the course on happiness from Yale, 50% roughly of our net effect, our output in life is because of our choices. Roughly half is stuff beyond our control, genetics, okay? If you're genetically predisposed to something, you're disposed towards it, but that doesn't mean that it has to happen. You know, you could have an accident. You can't control that. You can control how you react to it. So it's those choices that we make on a consistent basis that lead to the majority of our output. So we can choose to be better. We can choose to get up and work out, or we can choose to stay in the bed. We can choose to eat the donuts, or we can choose to eat the healthy food. We can choose to put forth the effort at work or not. We can choose to continue to study even though we finished university. Those are all choices that we make on a continuous basis. And ultimately, where we end up in life is under our influence and is a result of the accumulated choices over the years. Okay. So that's an, I mean, I, I love that idea that, that you choose, you know, and I've often heard gurus say you choose to be happy. You know, you, you, you mm -hmm. happiness is a choice. You choose to be happy. So, you know, that leads us on to the next point, you know, the next of your top five, because if you can make a choice, but it's influenced outside of your, your control and what is your fourth point or your, your so our fourth point is the environment how you set yourself up and i was actually listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago about tony robin about um how we prep things how we set the situation and they had uh, a bunch of people that they went up to and asked them to hold a cup of coffee for a couple of seconds while they did something. And then later they came back and uh, did a quick psychological test. They had them read about a couple of characters and determine whether the people are warm or cold. And the people who held hot coffee, 80% of them said that the person was warm. The people who held iced coffee, 80% said that the individuals in the story were cold. So a little thing like that is going to influence your perception for throughout the entire rest of the day. There's the old uh, idea, you know, you put your running shoes right next to the beds with all your running stuff. So you get out of bed and you have to trip over them, that you have to make a conscientious choice to not put them on and go. Um, Thaler actually got the Nobel Prize in economics for nudge theory, where 
you can make better decisions. So they put the fruit at eye level. They put water right next to the checkout as opposed to the sugary sodas. And people tend to make the better decisions. This is why in the United States, a couple of years ago, the default is now that you enroll in your retirement plan as opposed to having to opt into it. Because that little nudge, that little setup in the environment makes it easier to make better decisions. I have a good friend who I spent some time with this weekend, and he's lost a lot of weight. And one of the things that they've done is they've taken all the junk food out of the house. There is literally no junk food in the house at this point. So it's very difficult to make the bad choice. They've set up the environment and now they're putting in healthier food, healthier snacks and all these different things to set it up. So even like in my office, you can see in the background, I've got Teddy Roosevelt. I've got my pirate ship. I've got some Thor stuff. I've got some medals, my books, other things like this is to set up the environment so that it is conducive to creativity, but also strong effort and being able to do what it needs to take to succeed. So being able to create an environment that funnels you towards the results that you want, as opposed to opposes them and makes it more difficult, it reduces the activation energy if you want to look at it from a chemistry point of view, but it makes it so that it's a more probable outcome is getting what you want. Okay. So, so let me ask the, the age old question of, you know, we've spoken about choice and then creating an environment is excellence nature or nurture. If you look, conscientiousness is one of the big five personality traits and it is combined with intelligence It is one of the greatest determinants of success. And it doesn't matter if it's athletics, it doesn't matter if it's academics. It does it it is just if you want to define success, you have to be conscientious about it because it removes luck from the equation. And so when it comes to nature or nurture, we can all be better. That's one of my dying a ditch beliefs is that we have the capability. My brothers and sisters grew up in the exact same household, eating the exact same food with the exact same opportunities with the exact same parents that, you know, so and I've got an Irish twin. He's 11 and a half months from me and we could not be more different other than our weird sense of humor um, because of the choices that we made right along. And so some people are more predisposed towards having the self-discipline, being conscientious to be successful, but I can't flap my arms and fly someplace. I've tried. I look funny and it doesn't work. So what do we do? We build airplanes. Okay. We create accountability partners so that we do what we're supposed to do, whether it's at work or having a running partner or a training partner in some capacity, somebody that you can write with. I mean, people who have belonged to writing groups have been consistently highly successful. You got J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis working together. You got Mark Manson, Ryan Holiday, and James Clear and Gary Vaynerchuk all in a group together creating more excellence because they're, they create an environment that feeds that. So people, when it comes down to it, excellence, you might have a predisposition towards it, or you might have a little bit of more difficulty achieving it. But in the end, it comes back to your choice and how you set up your world to achieve it. Fantastic answer. So let's, let's move on to what is your next of your top five tips for human kaizen? Next one, come uh, to quote 
former president John F. Kennedy is it's hard. Okay. Becoming excellent is not easy. You know, when the alarm goes off at four o'clock in the morning, I was still up doing work at 11 o'clock at night. It's comfy and cozy and I want to stay there. But as Marcus Aurelius talked about meditations, you know, this is not your job to lie there in the bed. Your job is to get up and serve humanity. You know, Jocko Willink posts 4.30 to 4.33 every single morning that he's getting at the workout because it's hard. The Rock is one of the hardest men on the planet, literally, and it's because of the work that he puts in. Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000-hour rule. And I had an example well before that. My Taekwondo master, uh, Daniel Grant, taught me early on, you have to do a technique 100 times to do it. You need to do it 1,000 times to understand it, and you need to do it 10,000 times to master it. And that's an individual technique. And so every single morning, I still get up and I throw 100 punches each hand, right hand and left hand. And I have done that even uh, when I had a back injury. I was doing it in the shower and it was quarter speed, but I was still doing it every single day. I have thrown over 10 million punches with each hand in my life. I don't have to think about it. Okay. But that's hard work, doing the miles, sitting there studying, you know, thinking, writing building your business, showing up early, cleaning the floors if that's what it takes. Whatever you want to achieve in life, if it's worth it, it's not going to be easy. The same thing with relationships. Do you think that relationships last because of cupcakes and unicorns and all that? No, it lasts because when you get to the rough patches, you're willing to sit there and have the difficult discussions. You're willing to go through the hard work. You're willing to do the things that other couples aren't willing to do, and that's why you can get through it. People make money because they do things other people can't do. You know, you're seven foot tall and can dunk a basketball or things that other people don't want to do. And you grind it out. It takes years to become a master, whether it's in martial arts or painting or psychology or whatever. And so those rewards get better and better the longer that you get. And as you're progressing through this, you become accustomed to the hard work. You actually look forward to the journey. You're like, this is going to suck, but it's going to make me awesome. And so I'm going to do it. And that is the mindset where you get to the point where it's not hard work. It's just what you do. And you actually look forward to it because of what comes on the other side. That's fantastic. In fact, my 17-year-old um, finished school last year and decided to work as a laborer on building sites. And he was paying paid a lot of good money. And now yep. he's off on his gap year. But he enjoyed the physicality, the hardness of the work. Mm -hmm. And yet he would still go to work and carry bricks for eight hours and then go to the gym. Right. That was his time out. And then he'd pass out at eight o'clock at night, but he enjoyed the physicality, the hardness of the work. And, and it makes him better. And when he's in university in a few years and he's got to study for the exam or he's got to write that paper, he's going to be able to draw from some of those reserves that he developed from doing that hard work. This is why we do training runs. I mean, when I first started running 20-ish years ago, it's like, geez, I got to go out and do three miles. I don't know if I can do this. And the whole idea of doing a marathon was 
just overwhelming and you have to build your mind as much as your body. I got up to the point where I did that marathon wasn't great, but I did it. And then I did a couple others. Now as an ultra marathoner, it's like, oh, marathon, that's a warm up. And when this is your approach to things, people, for example, a salesperson who wants to do a million dollars in production, well, when you're 22 years old, you can't even comprehend that, but you grind out, you do the hard things and you build your skill set and your mastery and you learn excellence and you lay the foundation for your your introduction-based business and you do it over and over and over again. And what happens is your skill set and your will set, your mind evolves to the point where you're like, oh, I'm doing 150. I can do 200. That's not that big. And then you jump from 150 to 200, which is a one-third jump. You know, so for an average human being, having a one-third jump in their income takes some pretty large extenuating circumstances. But then they keep working at it and they keep doing it and they're laying their foundation and they're extending their marketing and they're doing this. And then in a couple of years, they're like, you know what? I can do a million. Did they get to that position of excellence overnight? No, it took the hard work and they had to have all the steps. So thank you. I mean, you know, I love the idea of working hard. I'm personally training for a 250 kilometer bike ride at the moment, the fundraising ride. And so that means long hours in the saddle um, a couple of times a week. And it's a lot of fun, but that's my, my Zen. That's my timeout. So leading on to your, the second last of your five tips for human Kaizen. So this one I actually got from my father years and years ago. So I will always thank my dad for this. He taught me this when I was first in grad school and he's like, whatever you're doing, whether it's working on a job, working on a project, going to a conference, listening to a speaker, always look for the one pearl that you can take from that. Something that you can use and be able to make your life better. The one opportunity, the one phrase, the one connection with an individual, the one lesson from your screw up, because you know, I screw up all the time simply because that's part of the nature of trying to push and grow constantly. As Thor says in Ragnarok, I make grave mistakes all the time. The more grave mistakes that you make, if you're learning from them and not making the same ones, the better you become overall because you've got more experience to be able to grow from. So find that pearl. In fact, uh, one of my talks that I do is actually called Pearls of Excellence because it's about being able to look through it. And if you look, we can actually go on a much deeper level than this. And the human body has what's known as the reticular activation system, the RAS. So we're getting all these stimuli, right? Constantly, we're bombarded. And we've needed to learn to almost triage them, to filter them out. Because in the early days, when we were still uh, having to worry about saber-toothed tigers jumping out and eating us, the instant that we saw motion, we had to freeze and look and see, okay, is that just the wind? Is that saber-toothed tiger? Is that a member of another tribe? You know, is that danger? And we would go into the four Fs of the lowest part of our mind. Is it food? Do I have to flee? Is this something that I need to fight? Or is this something that I can procreate with? Okay, so we needed to triage that and then we could engage more the monkey brain and see, okay, friend or foe, and then we could actually start thinking about it. So we need to be able to remove 
95% of these signals all the time. And so in our society today, we still have a lot of people who have that over abundance of stuff coming on in and it creates anxiety. And so the, being able to block more things out to remove more of the noise to get to the signal essentially allows us to be able to focus and be able to pay attention to actually what is really important. And so this is the reason why entrepreneurs continue to build businesses. They sell one, they start another one. They sell one, they start another one. This is the reason why business owners have get better and better in terms of finding opportunity. This is the reason why writers get better or martial artists get better because they see the opportunities that develop over time. This is the reason why hunters get better. Anybody who's building a skill set, who's trying to do something, comes better and better because their mind is being programmed through their RAS to see the opportunities. And so if we go into the day and say, all right, today's probably going to suck because every day is filled with people and people suck. That's one of the things that Marcus Aurelius says, right? Start meditations. But I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to find the opportunities. And that opportunity might be a phrase that somebody says that you're like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to steal that. That might be a moment of kindness from a person in a coffee shop. That might be a little kid out there, you know, playing and you know, gives you a huge smile, and that helps change the curve of your day. Looking for these little pearls creates that attitude of gratitude. It allows you to see the silver lining in the cloud. And doing that is naturally going to, going back to your choice idea, if you are of those 20 plus thousand decisions and the 50 plus thousand thoughts that you're having throughout the day, if you're then focusing on five or eight that are actually really cool, really interesting, beneficial, what's going to happen is it changes the mental accounting, the mental balance a little bit, and it's going to change your curve upward. That's a fantastic pearl of wisdom. And that leads us on to the fifth and final of the five tips for human kaizen. In the end, it's really worth it, okay? It's hard, okay? It's hard getting up in the morning. It's hard building a business when your friends are taking the nice normal nine-to-five job and they get a guaranteed paycheck and the vacation and all that, and you're there trying to build something that you believe in. And that first year when you're not making any money and you're, you know, you're sleeping, you still have your college uh, apartment and you have no phone and you're, you're drinking bad beer because that's all you can afford. And you're wondering where your next paycheck is coming from. If what you're working on, you believe in enough, if it's worth it, then you're going to continue to do it. And you're not concerned about the sacrifices and what you're missing out on. And Jim Rohn, the old uh, motivational speaker and business expert, used to say, you should work harder on yourself than you do on your job. You should fully commit your job to more than they expect. And I don't care if that's a nine to five. I don't care if that's business. I don't care if you're working at a not-for-profit. I don't care. Even if you're like just volunteering, cleaning floors, do more than is expected. Really give of yourself, but continuously work on yourself. Okay, because every dollar that you invest in yourself is going to pay dividends beyond what you're going to get in the stock market, beyond what you're going to get in the real estate market or crypto or anything else, because that gives you additional skill sets, that gives you additional mindsets. And you might be able to pull out that little pearl at some point 
to be able to do something that you didn't realize that you needed at that point. As we talked about the side quests, each one of these things, you're getting these resources, you're getting these skill sets, you're getting these relationships, you're getting what you need to build a better life. And it's hard work. It takes a lot of effort. It takes consistent choices. Okay. You've got to set your environment up. And sometimes that means removing negative people. Sometimes that means removing negative things. I have a good friend who just went through rehab. Okay. And so we're working on the components of that. But in the end, if you've got a great enough vision, if what you're trying to achieve, this individual and operational excellence is worth it to you that you're going to do this, oh, man. And then you, when you, your friends achieve something amazing, or you see a kid do, uh, finally master a trick, or you know my Cub Scouts come up to me and you know show me something cool that they did, you're like, wow. And that is where you're getting into the ultimate of human existence, arete, as the Greeks called it, that mindset of excellence. So this continuous human kaizen, this improving of yourself and through that, the individuals around you, because you're changing their environment and their choices and how they see the world. If you're willing to do all of this, look at this net effect and how awesome it can become. Thank you, Joe, for sharing your top five tips for human kaizen. And to summarize those, it started with choice and then creating an environment and remembering that it's pretty hard to get all this done and looking for the pearls of wisdom because at the end of the day, it's all worth it. Joe Templin from Saratoga Springs, if our listeners want to get hold of you, what's the best way to contact you? And I believe you have a special offer for them. Yes, I do. As, as a thank you for that attitude of gratitude that we talked about. If anybody goes to our website, which is www.everyday-excellence.com, everyday-excellence.com, like it says on the book, they can get a discount on any of the like ebooks, physical books, services there if they use the code TOP5. So it's nice and easy to remember TOP5, the number five. And they can turn around and be able to get a discount on anything. They can reach us through the website. They can drop me an email at info at everyday-excellence.com. Follow me on Twitter or join the Facebook group, which is EDE with Joe, EDE for Everyday Excellence with Joe, because that's me. And I'm looking forward to interacting with your people and seeing what I can do to help them get on their path of human Kaizen. Be excellent and grow today. Thank you very much, Joe. It's been a, an enlightening evening for me and very early morning for you. So thank you very much for being a guest on the Top 5 podcast. This is Rail Bricker signing off with another edition of the Top 5.